Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Wow. Look at this. You guys look great, by the way. You know, not, not if anyone told you this morning yet, but you guys look awesome. It's okay to smile in church, by the way. Um, especially here at ECC, we like to have fun. Um, I'm Phil Nelson. I'm one of the crazy uh, lead pastors. Uh, well, there's only one lead pastor. I'm one of the crazy pastors here. And uh, we're so glad you're here for our four-week series starting today called Alter Ego. It is all becoming who God says you are. And since this is a participatory church during the message, I'd rather you not just kind of stare at me with like your mouth open and then like saliva coming down and uh, just kind of, you know, engage with me because this is not just for me. Although this message today has been speaking to me radically. Uh, it's something that is, uh, it needs to really sink down into Pastor Phil's heart. Um, but let's say this together, becoming who God says you are. Ready? Go. Becoming who God says you are. One more time. Becoming who God says you are. That's what this series is about. Every, uh, uh, every sermon the next four weeks is going to be focusing on a specific element that allows us to become who God says we are and lay these things down at the altar. It's a series based off the book, Alter Ego, by Craig Groeschel. He wrote it in 2013. Speaking of, I have four awesome brand new copies I'd like to give away. Now, here's the cool thing is looking uh, in the chair flap in front of you. If there is a cardstock, just the chair flap, if there's a yellow piece of cardstock, would you hurry as quickly as possible because I'm being timed right now. And, uh, uh, hi, Grandma got it. Send, why don't you send Brian to get it? Uh, come on up if you got one. And, and if there's no one sitting in front of it, it's yours. So brand new spanking copies. Look at these men of God. You're going to step up. We're, there should be one more. One more. If there's not, well, it's going to be right here. Ho, ho! God's calling the men in this community to step up. Amen? Woo! Appreciate it. Now, there are six other brand new books uh, in our what's going to be our new ministry, global ministry area. And when we say global, this is just what we mean. It's just 2018 trying to make terms, you know, blend a little bit, get those m m millennials understanding that we care about them. Uh, it's global ministries and local ministries. Global. So that's what this area is going to be. And so you can uh, purchase a book for $10. That's pretty reasonable. And you can get it for the same price on Amazon. By the way, if you go and order it on Amazon, make sure you go on Amazon Smile and you select the charitable organization. I'm not sure if you've heard of it before, but it's called Elevation Community Church. And we will get a percentage of your purchase. Why not do that? It's free money. So... We want you to do that. Uh, again, it's not mandatory. It's not required for you to read this book. But if, you, if, if this message speaks to you and you want to go deeper in the thought, the application, go ahead and purchase that book. Again, six books back there, $10 if you have it. Uh, goes to the first six people. Please don't rush out now. Um, great. You may uh, look at this altar. Thank you, Jim Bailey, by this incredible prop, by the way. But um, you may... You may say, uh, I don't think our pastor was an English major. 
And uh, I would just blame Jim for misspelling it if it was. But it's not misspelled at all. It is very, very intentional. Uh, the altar. If you know anything about Old Testament, or if you even know about uh, history, you would know that for centuries and centuries, the altar was a place in the tabernacle where people would come and they would lay down something that's truly meaningful to them. Sometimes and often they would actually lay down a sacrifice on the altar for the forgiveness of their sins. That was the way to receive forgiveness from God in the Old Testament. And sometimes it was just simply laying something down significant in your life before God at the altar. And if you know what an ego is, an ego, why are the wives laughing? <laughs> if you know what an ego is, an ego is who we think we are or who we believe we are. That's our ego. And the reality, even in this place today and on live stream, is some of us actually think a little bit more about ourselves than we probably should. And some of us actually think way less about ourselves than we should. We have an ego problem. And so this series is all about becoming who God says you are. And so today, what we want to do, starting today and over the next four weeks, what we want to do is lay down our ego at God's altar. Now, this is just a prop. This is not the altar. The altar can be where you are. The altar can be wherever God's presence is. The altar can be a symbolism, a place, a couch, a chair, wherever. It's laying your ego down at the altar of God so that we will not be who we think we are or what others say we are, but we will become who God says we are. And my prayer for us these next four weeks is that you will become who God says you are. Young man, young woman, older man, older woman. Become who God says you are. So let me just share with you real briefly, because it, every time we open a series, it's just jam-packed with stuff. It's because we're setting up the series, and then we're going into the first message. So I really encourage you, if you're a note-taker, please do that. If not, watch the video later this week, or even download the message on our website or our phone app. So this is what we're going to do the next four weeks. Next week, we're going to look at laying down our need for control. Now, before we start to think of one person in our mind, maybe sitting right next to us, who might be a control freak, and we're going to do whatever we can to get them to church next Sunday, let's remember that every single one of us sitting here all battle with different urges to control things. We do. And what we're going to learn next week, it's a very uplifting message, is it's all about a lack of trust and faith, which causes us to go down that slippery slope of control. So I really urge you, I urge you, I plead with you to either listen or come and uh, tap into what God has to say. 
The third week, we're going to lay down our right to be offended. We actually live in a culture where people like, uh, or excuse me, people feel like it's their absolute entitlement, their right to be offended. And may even, a lot of people, you see this online all the time, people literally search for reasons to be offended. We want to be upset because that affirms and strengthens our ego. I remember growing up all the time and my sister and my dad and I should say probably the whole family but my mom because she just wouldn't argue. But we would argue of who's right about a stupid fact in the newspaper. And we would argue and argue about being right and then someone would be offended and then the other person would be offended and the fight then was resolved by you having to have the last word. Can you relate? (laughs) Sorry, Dad. And then the fourth week, we're going to lay down our longing for approval. Wow, this one's going to slay me, y'all. This one's going to slay me. I've lived my life as a peacemaker so long looking for approval in others. Even as a pastor, this is one struggle that the enemy likes to throw in my face. So many of us are driven by what other people think about us. And the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you and sees in you and and become who God sees you to be, the quickest way to forget that is to become obsessed with what people think about us. And so now today, we're going to start off the series, Alter Ego. Uh, We're going to talk about laying down our feelings of inadequacy. Laying down our feelings of inadequacy. If I were to just take a poll, I'm not going to do this, but I'm just going to put it out there. If I were going to take a poll and say, is, is there anyone who would just say, in one or more areas in my life, I just feel below par. I'm not adequate. I'm not good enough. Not pretty enough. I don't look the part. I can't sing it. I can't do that job. I can't make the money that that person makes. I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me how quickly I can feel absolutely inadequate. Maybe it's comparing myself with someone that's maybe way more successful than I am. Preachers who can preach circles around me and and just draw... Uh, droves of people, uh, and then I think, what's wrong with me? Why do they do this? Why does God give them this and he doesn't give it to me? What am I doing wrong and where do I need to get better? And then I feel inadequate because I don't measure up. Can you relate? Maybe you drive by one, uh, drive by one day, a really nice neighborhood, right, of homes. And you go, what do these people even do for a living, my goodness, in Indian Hill? (laughs) Or you go to a friend's house, and her house is perfect. You walk in, and it smells so good. Yours smells like laundry, dirty socks, dirty diapers. And hers smells like perfect. (laughs) And you walk in, and the food is served on time. And her hair is done, and her nails are done, or did, and and you love her because she's your friend, but you hate her because she's perfect. And you think, why can't I live up to that, right? 
Or maybe you're a student. Hmm. And you know your best friend is so much smarter or popular than you are. And you work your butt off to get B's and C's. And they don't do a lick and they get A's. And you go to the dance alone and your friend, they had seven invitations to the dance and they don't even show up. You feel inadequate. You start to ask, what's wrong with me? Why don't people like me? I must be doing something wrong. And then you feel majorly inadequate. Or sometimes, I don't know about you. And I'm being honest, I don't know about you. But I sure know about me that I have felt way inadequate in my spiritual life at times. If you're a Christian and you're around like what we call like a super Christian, you know those? And you just bring up something and they're like, oh yeah, that's like uh, uh, 2 Chronicles 12, 14. And then they quote it. <laughs> Pastor Daniel. <laughs> Love you if you're watching on live stream. He's in California with his family at a wedding. Um, <laughs> but isn't that crazy? It drives you crazy. And then you're like, I don't even know the Bible, let alone, is, is that really a book in the Bible? And if it is, like, where is it in the Bible? How can I find it? Right? Or, or let's just say, you know, you're in your small group, right? I know this is a lot of you. And someone gets up to pray, right? And they're like, they just start praying. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's got to be a prayer that God is in heaven saying, whoa, now that is solid. <laughs> like, that is a prayer request I want to bless. And then they say, okay, you pray. Uh, uh, and then you're like, I'm not holy enough. I don't, I don't talk with God in public. And, uh, okay, I'll, I'll pray. And then, uh, rub, rub a dub dub dub. God bless this grub. Amen. And then you go home and you feel like an idiot Christian. You feel like below par and you're like, I'm never going to pray in public again. And all of a sudden you, you just feel so spiritually inadequate. And that might be even why we want to just sit in the back row all the time and just let everyone else get blessed by God. Because they have their lives together. I feel that way. And if you feel that way, I totally relate with you this morning. I can't tell you. My wife can affirm this. I can't tell you how many times I feel inadequate. Not being a stronger Christian than I should be. Not being the prayer warrior like some people in our church. Not spending two hours on my knees in the morning like I know I probably should. Not a diligent study uh, or a student of the Bible. I'm constantly beating myself down into a pit of discouragement. Me, Phil Nelson. And sometimes it leads me, if I let it, it leads me down a downward spiral of depression. I can't tell you how inadequate I felt when I held my firstborn, when Joseph was literally one hour old. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this. I remember I can't even take care of myself and keep myself healthy. How am I going to take care of this? 
I mean, I, I, I was so inadequate. If I can't even figure out how to install his car seat in the hospital parking lot, how am I going to be able to give him what he needs? Dads, are you with me? And y'all, I, I just remember holding Joseph. He was about an hour or two years old. And he wasn't eating yet. And so he was not happy. And I was taking it personally that he wasn't happy with the way I was holding him. And so she, she could show, uh, you know what, the picture's not on there. I'm sorry, I did not load it. But it was me holding my son and all that would calm him was putting on a rubber glove and him sucking on my finger. And that's the only thing that would calm him. And I'm taking a picture and I'm smiling like a proud daddy. But I tell you what, beneath those smiles, I am. I need another pair of shorts, shall I just say. <laughs> I'm trembling. I'm afraid. I'm petrified. How am I going to take care of this kid? And I get so overwhelmed. And then you add to it what I do for a living. By the way, I am full-time here. A lot of people ask that. I, I, I do. This is what I do. This is what God's called me to do. But I can't tell you. Whew. How inadequate I feel to be a pastor. Let alone a lead pastor. I have guys on my staff who are more theological and more grounded in the word than I am. I don't have the seminary training. Guys, I went to school for music and theater. <laughs> don't laugh. I pursued professional acting. I was living the dream as an actor. And then God called me to pursue the worship arts. That does not fit a lead pastor resume. It just doesn't. And I, standing up here, right now, look at me. I feel completely inadequate. I don't feel holy enough. I don't feel like I know enough. I'm not seminary trained. I'm not, I'm not a book reader. I'm not a conference goer. I'm not a do it by the book lead pastor. And I'm starting to understand that that's exactly what we need. <laughs> Woo! Thanks. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. However, I can't tell you how overwhelmed I feel. And you know what? Pastors joke about this, but I can't remember who it was, but he said, you know what, church? You know what your pastor is doing every Monday? He's writing his resignation letter. <laughs> Not joking. <laughs> because you feel so inadequate. And you believe the lies. And so what we're going to do for the rest of our time is we're going to build a quick foundation um, of the ways that we feel inadequate. So we're going to build a foundation, and then we're going to look at the story of Gideon in Judges 16. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there and get ready. And this story in, in Judges of Gideon is going to help us lay down our egos 
so that we can become who God calls us to be. So here are three main reasons. There's many, but here's three main reasons of why you and I often feel inadequate. inadequate. These aren't the main points, so I'm going to go fast. Number one, we received somewhere down in our lives, we received unfair criticism. We have received unfair criticism. Somewhere along the way in your life, someone told you, you don't measure up. You don't have what it takes. I don't like you. I wish I never had you. You're pathetic. You're never going to amount to anything. I wish you were more like so-and-so. And internally, those message, what we call, I'm going to call today, the inner me. Your inner voice. What happens is our inner voice then plays those messages and it's been burned on our hard drive of our ego. And anytime you want to do something significant, you hear those old messages played over and over and over that you're not going to amount to anything. And then you start to believe, I'm not adequate or I'm not capable to do this. We have received unfair criticism. Number two. We receive unrealistic compliments. Unrealistic compliments. You're the best. You're amazing. Pastor, wow, you knocked that sermon out of the park. I'm not that good, you say. You don't know me. I'm not that amazing. And I believe, this is Pastor Phil's opinion, along with many other opinions, and Craig Groeschel would amen this, time and time again, but I believe that we have absolutely done a disservice to the emerging generation that are now 20 to 30 years old. Absolutely. Who we've been told, you're good at everything. You can do anything you want. But when I grew up, you had to actually be good. You had to be good to get a trophy. Hello. You had to win. You had to win. And nowadays, you just show up. Here's the trophy, kid. Thanks for showing up. Right? Back when I didn't graduate until grade 12, now we have kindergarten graduation. Good job. Here's your diploma. You're off to first grade. Like, and so what do we do? What do we tell these kids? You're like, my kid doesn't think that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> we tell them, you're amazing. You're the best. And internally, they're thinking, I'm not that amazing. I don't feel that good. Here's where people say that I am or think that I am. And here, let's say this. Here's where people think that I am. And here's where I know I am. And what happens? Listen. Now, we have a whole generation that's paralyzed with fear of failure. I don't even want to try because if I try, I might not be good enough. Because you think I'm up here, but I know the real me. I am down here incredibly inadequate. So they're paralyzed by fear and they don't do anything. And they never amount to their full potential. We've received unfair criticism and we've received unrealistic compliments. A third reason that is becoming even more common of why we battle feelings of inadequacy. Number three, 
is we make unwise comparisons. This gets me. We just look around at other people and we say, you know what? I'm not like them. I'm not as attractive or I'm not as bright or I don't have the fruits of the spirit like other Christians. You know that there's articles out there that say that social media now is one of the greatest causes, if not the greatest cause of feeling inadequate. How easy is it to feel inadequate as you look at others on Facebook and social media who seem to look way better than you, feel way better than you, know more than you, and just they're just way better at life than you are. And you just think to yourself, I'm not that good. There is no way I could be like that. And you're going, my life stinks. I've only got 172 followers on Instagram, and he's got 912. I don't have any friends. I stink. And from the theologian Zazu, from my favorite Disney movie, <laughs> nobody knows the trouble I see. <laughs> Come on, if you're in my generation, you love that movie. Nobody knows my sorrow. <laughs> and that's where we find ourselves so often. One of my favorite pastors out there today, his name is Stephen Furtick. He says this, we compare others' highlight reels with our behind-the-scenes reels. We look at the highlight reels of everybody else's life and hold it up to our behind-the-scenes. We see them with their kids, and their kids look perfect, and we know we just yelled at our kids, and their socks don't even match. Welcome to my world, thinking I'm the daycare. And we're out in public. We see them worshiping in our church, and we know our internal doubt. They look all beautiful and put together, and we don't like the things about our appearance. We feel so inadequate. We're comparing our behind-the-scenes reel with their highlight reels. And suddenly, our ego starts to tell us what we're not when God wants to tell us what we are. Don't compare yourself to someone's highlight reels, to your behind-the-scenes reels. Those, person, those people you're comparing to that you put on a platform, just walk with them one day. And you will see that they themselves fight with feelings of inadequacy. So unfair criticism causes feelings of inadequacy, unrealistic compliments, and unwise, number three, comparisons cause feelings of inadequacy. So now let's jump into Judges. Chapter 6, it's in the Old Testament. If you have your phone, you can go to that. Our Elevation phone app, by the way, is available to you. Or just look at the screen. Now, what I'm going to do, for time's sake, is I'm going to read it together uh, with you. I mean, you just follow along. And I'm going to add some commentary. And then we're going to just break it down to three things that we need to lay down with our inadequacies. So let's start in verse 11. God, just guide my words, Father. Teach us, teach us, mold us, spirit of the living God, just just fall. Just fall, break down walls and barriers of anxiety and fear and guilt and shame in Jesus' name. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak in Ophrah. Sat down under the oak tree. It's been there for hundreds of years, so it's it's an old tree, okay? Uh, Sat down under the tree that belonged to Joash, 
and, and Abby's right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Pause there. Now, we don't necessarily thresh wheat necessarily, okay? So back then, everyone knew that anyone responsible for threshing wheat does it somewhere high. Why? Because when they throw it up, the wind blows the chaff away and the purest of the wheat would be left. Where is Gideon? He's down low in a wine press. What is he doing? He's hiding because the bottom line was he was terrified of his enemies. He was absolutely afraid of the enemy, the Midianites. The Lord then says what? What? He says, the Lord is with you. Right? And then what does he call Gideon? What does he call him? A might, say it with me, mighty warrior. Yeah, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The mighty warrior is a man of valor. And if I would have been there, I'm just saying, if I would have been there, I would have told Gideon the truth. You know what I would say? The Lord is with you, you mighty wuss. You're hiding. You're a punk. Man up, Gideon. Come on, stop hiding, you scaredy cat. But the Lord saw something in Gideon that he didn't see in himself. The Lord saw something in Gideon that we don't even see in Gideon. Verse 13, Gideon replies, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these Wonders that you foretold us about when they said, did the Lord not bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of the Midianites. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Asked God. Now in verse 15, verse 15, we're going to see Whenever God calls you, whenever God empowers you, and whenever God leads you, your inner voices and the tape that you have of all the negative things about you is going to come in front of you and play the tape that says there ain't no way you can do what God calls you to do. Gideon says this, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. You might say it this way. Well, I'm not talented enough, God. I'm not good on stage, or I can't sing, or I'm not that bright, or I'm not as godly. Or if you knew what I had done, or I don't look like her, or I'm not as talented as him. And all these inner me messages try to tell you why you can't do what God is to do. Judges 6, verse 16, the Lord answered with the key to this whole message. Are you listening? Get ready. I will be with you. And you will strike down the Midianites together. So what are we going to do, church? What are we going to do, Elevation Community Church? What are we going to do? Fill in your name. Well, if you're committed to it, these next four weeks, we're going to lay down our ego at the altar of God. 
Because we are not who we think we are. We are not who others say we are. We are only who God says we are. And so, here's the three things that you need to know about you from the story of Gideon. Three things you need to know about you from this story in Judges 6, 11 through 16. Three things. I really encourage you, if this is important to you, make sure you do something to remember these three things. Number one, God's view of you is different than you think. And with these three things, we're going to then repeat after me. Let's say it again. Ready? God's view of you is different than you think. When your inner voices brings those message of insecurity and inadequacy, you need to remember that God's view of you is different than you think. I promise you that God sees more in you than you see in yourself. In verse 12, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon who is hiding. Everything about his physical action says that he is absolutely terrified. But the Lord says, I am with you. And calls him what? A mighty warrior. God sees more in you than you see in yourself. And I want, to, I want everyone, every single one of you to know that God sees more in you than what you see in yourself. And even God sees more in you than what the people around you that think they know it all sees and says about you. God's view of you is different than you think. Someone told you you can't. Someone told you you won't. And you say, here's all the reasons why I can't be used by God. But God's view of you is different than you think. Don't believe me? I love the stories in the Bible that talk about this. When everybody looked at Rahab in the Old Testament, what did they see? You can say it in church. A prostitute. They saw a harlot. And what did God see? God saw someone whose heart, whose heart would turn towards him. Who would one day marry a godly man named Salmon. Who then would give birth to generations through her genealogy. Would then come Jesus Christ. The savior of the world. Others saw a prostitute. But God saw divine potential. When others looked at David as a shepherd, as a child, they saw a little shepherd boy. God saw something in him that they didn't see. God saw a warrior, a king, able to stand up against a giant. And even when David sinned and fell, you know the story. When he sinned and fell, what did God say David was? A man after his own heart is because David sought the Lord above everything else. When others see you or when you see yourselves, I came to tell you today that God sees more in you than you see. Look at Peter. He messed up again and again and again and again and again and again and couldn't seem to get it right. What did Jesus say to Peter? You are a rock, Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. God's 
view of you is so different, so much more different than you think. And number two, God has given you more than you think. Verse 14, I love what God says to Gideon. He says, go take a class and get ready for this calling, right? Go to school, go to training, pick up a book. No. He says, go in what? Go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that I've already given you. You go and use what I've already given you. Go, you mighty warrior. And there are some of you today. All you hear is the negative message from your inner self. Saying, I don't have what it takes. I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. But what I'm here to tell you today is this. If God called you, if God called me, he will equip me and he will equip you. I've said this for about 12 years now. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. If he called the qualified, we would see a whole different New Testament of followers of Jesus. But he qualifies the called. And this is what the Lord said to Gideon. The Lord said, I will be what? I will be with you. Some of you need to hear that. I will be with you. I will be with you. May we never, ever insult God by talking about what we don't have. God has given you everything you need to do what he has called you to do. He has. Why do you think the church is dying? The church is decreasing in committed followers of Christ. It's because they believed a lie. They don't feel good enough. And the devil has robbed, steal, kill, and destroy our identity, which then leads to our calling, which then leads to our responsibility. And we wonder why the church isn't stepping up today. Well, it's going to be different here at Elevation Community Church. Amen? Amen. So, number three. God's view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think. And third, this is my favorite. It's less about you than you think. It's less about you than what you think. This is what the Lord said to Gideon. I will be with you. Do you remember what the Lord, what the angel of the Lord said to Gideon at the very beginning? The angel of the Lord says, the Lord is what? With you, mighty warrior. He is with you. It was less about Gideon and more about God's power and presence with Gideon. This was not about Gideon at all. Listen to me. When God calls you to do something, it's more about the presence of God than it is about your power. Zechariah 4.6 says it's not by might. 
nor by power, but by his what? Spirit, says the Lord. It's not about you. It's about God being glorified in and through you. I think of, as I was praying this morning before the service, the Lord brought this scripture to my attention. And I just think it's fitting. Uh, could you put up uh, Judges, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. Look at this. This is about Elisha and, and his, one of his servants, okay? So one of his servants wakes up. I'm just going to kind of summarize it. One of his servants, servants wakes up and he goes outside and he sees all the enemy warriors just surrounding uh, their town, their village, their area, and he is just beyond himself. And he goes running to Elisha and he goes, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's up? what we're going to do? We're dead, we're dead, we're dead. And there, did you see all the enemy armies around us? And you know what Elisha says? He doesn't even hesitate. He doesn't even give anxiety a moment. And he says, God, give my servant the eyes to see what is really happening in the spiritual realm. And he goes out. And all of a sudden, he looks. And as far as the eye can see, is a host of heavenly angel warriors ready to just charge the physical enemy. And the heavenly host took over and won the battle that day. You see, God is with you and he has given you everything you need. That's why as a believer, we need to take our ego and we need to lay it down at his altar so that we will not be what others say we are or what we think we are or what we believe we are. But we will become who God says we are. But I'm not good enough. No. Step into God's grace. Well, I'm not smart enough. No. Step into his power. It's not about you. His power is made perfect in weakness. Total different mindset. Well, I'm not as pretty as she is. Hey, come on. Step into your calling. Your calling is different than what... She has, and God has given you what you need for your calling. Well, I'm never going to be as adequate of, an, of a parent. No. Step into what God has called you to do, church. If he calls you, he will equip you. You have everything you need for life and godliness. Can you put that scripture up there for me? First, uh, first Peter uh, second, actually, it's yeah, Second Peter one. His divine power has given you what? Everything. Can we say it more than ten people? His divine power has given us. Everything. We need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by His marvelous grace. It's less about you than you think, and He has given you everything. Everything you need to carry out what he's called you to do. So let me ask you this. Are you focused on what he's calling you to do? Or are you focused on what you feel you need to do? Two separate things. He may not bless and be with you if you're doing something that you know you're not called to do. But when you focus your eyes on Jesus and you 
focus on what he's called you to do and how he views you and what he's given you, then there is absolutely nothing you can't do with him working in and through you. So lay down your inadequacy at the altar. Kneel down and sacrifice it before God. And then when you stand up, church, you stand up and be who God called you to be. And as the band comes up, I just want to leave you with one application. Just one. You guys are awesome. You guys really, and gals, you have no idea. You still have no idea how God views you. He has given you so much more than you have realized and that you've tapped into. And when you look in the mirror today, I want you to honestly with confidence say, you know what? It's less about me. And it's more about Jesus who is my Savior giving me the strength and the power to do what he has called me to do. And we're going to look at next week when we don't operate in his strength and the calling that he's placed on our lives, we walk into a thing called anxiety. Because we're operating by our inadequacy, fear, and anxiety. So I want to encourage you to do one thing today. Because God's view of you is different than you think. Because God has given you more than you think. Students, you are so amazingly precious. And God has called you to begin to change the environment and atmosphere of your schools. But the moment you listen to what others say about you and think about you and post on Instagram and Facebook, you're going to begin to forget what God sees in you. And when you forget what God sees in you, you forget that he's given you what you need to do to carry it out. Now, my prayer for you kids is that when you go out of these doors into the community and into your schools, that kids would see that you don't rate yourself by how they rate you. Because God's view of you is different than you think, and God has given you more than you think, and it's less about you than you think, it's really about Him. So this week... Whenever you face the feeling of inadequacy, I want you to do one thing. One thing. Application. Focus on His faithfulness. Don't even focus on a post about you or a text about you. Don't even focus about what was said about you as a child. Focus on His faithfulness. He who began a good work in you will be what? Faithful to complete it. Just reflect on all the ways God has shown you his faithfulness. Seriously, call it out. Call it out of how he has been faithful to you. You won't be able to keep count when you really start to tap into his faithfulness. Write them down. Share it with others. Now that would be a worthy Facebook post, wouldn't it? 
focus on God's faithfulness because it's less about you and it's way more about him.